yo, yo, welcome to another episode of the Round Ball Ram Podcast. I am your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter if you are so inclined, at CorbinNBA. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, so check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos Online, SportsEthos.com. We're continuing with our trade guide series, but we're switching them. I'm going to let you know, y'all. Logistically, the trade guides, each 30 NBA teams sounded great in theory. It really did. Um, I should have started a little earlier. You know, with teams maybe, let's say, I don't know, late November, early December of teams that weren't going to be very active. Maybe your Houston Rockets, your Orlando Magic. You know, teams like that, that if they had pieces, would have been easily covered and all of that. I didn't do that. I said January. Boom, here we go. With the month out, month and a week. Well, here we are. A lot of things happen. Been a lot of pods. Just been a lot of work. And you know what? We're going to try to cut to the chase. Um at the risk of not putting out the whole series for every team. And if we don't, you know, we do our best. But we're going to try here, and that's by kind of downsizing here. Instead of doing just, you know, one specific team, we're going to kind of generalize it. And I could think of no better person. This guy, literally, I told him this morning, hey, you want to talk about, you know, some trades? Let's do a trade division thing. He said, yeah, what time? I said, oh, you know, 8 o'clock, whatever. The guy whips up an entire just Google Doc, Google um, Sheets drive, uh, just all of it with teams and TPs and all of that. You know him, you love him. He's a friend of the show, a friend of myself. You can follow him on Twitter at, darn, I was going to say off the top of my head, but I'm not going to do it. It's at 2RedJEarl. There we go. At 2RedJEarl. Thank you. I keep forgetting. My friend, Josh Earl. Josh, how are you today, sir? I am well, my friend. How are you? Doing good. Jazzed up, trying to make a good intro. Uh, as we record this, I'll be listening to this, of course, on the 8th of February, where LeBron may or may not have passed the record. Uh, at this point, he's only 16 points away, so I think it's safe to say that he will have passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for number one on the scoring list, 20 points on 6-10 shooting at, the, at, the, at this moment. Really good, but I'm good. Excited to uh, actually talk about a team that's not the Pacific Division, not the Lakers, talking about the Northwest Division. And we had Garrett Bouguet on a couple of days ago, y'all, if y'all remember. Uh, we broke down the Nuggets, went into some good detail on that. But because we're doing a division guide and because Josh did so much work on it, and also just because I want his opinion specifically, we're going to start with the Nuggets very briefly because I just want to get Josh's outlook on what he would do if he were GM of the Nuggets. So at this point, sir, take it away. Yeah, so – Main thing, and, and I think Garrett kind of touched on this, they could use another perimeter defender um, and probably need to move Bones Highland to, to make that work. Um, but they have like a, a $9.1 million TPE that they could also use to acquire somebody like Thibel or Alex Caruso. You'd have to send draft capital in return, obviously. Um, but, but there are other options that won't require as much of an, uh, like price as OG and Anubi will. Um, and Toronto would be right to ask for such a price. In my opinion, there are very few actually good, legit three and D defenders, uh, who aren't already max players like Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, KD, etc. Um, and OG might be one of the best him and Mikhail Bridges. Um, the other thing I think they need to do is get a backup five. And if they don't use that TPE on a perimeter defender like Thibel or Caruso, I think they uh, Mason Plumley actually fits perfectly in that TPE. He played for the Nuggets for a while. He he knows uh, you know that that system. He's a very poor man's version. <laughs> um, 
in terms of being like able to run those handoffs um, and kind of that that high post um, kind of play through the center a little bit type thing. So stylistically, there wouldn't be a major change when Jokic is off the court as well. So I, I, I would expect if they don't use that TPE to get a perimeter defender, they'll use it to get somebody like Plumley or, you know, maybe a Nas Reed or something. That makes sense. That's smart. I, I, I like a Nas Reed fit potentially on this team. Um, I do think it'd be interesting just because he is more of an offensive-minded center that could – well, he could fit as a hub. We kind of talked, you know, playing alongside – uh, yeah, you know, Jokic at four, playing a stretch five. You know, there's definitely some room there for sure. So I definitely do think that'd be a solid pick. Um, do you think that they? Okay, I'll kind of cut the chase with this one for you, just to kind of cover the Nuggets from your perspective. But what is your prediction about them? Do you think that they will be more active, more reactive, or do you see them really standing pat? I think they're the only two things that they will try to accomplish at this deadline is to secure an additional defender for the rotation and to get a backup for Jokic that's not DeAndre Jordan. I like it. Conservative, but something effective. They also just don't have a ton of assets to utilize to get anything bigger than that. So, sure. And, I mean, look where they are. They're they're top of the West right now. They're yep. so pretty. You know, they look really good so far. Like, there's no need to make a drastic move, and I totally understand that. So I'm with you on that for sure. All right, well, I mean, here we go now with the meat of it. And the way I want to do it, I mean, listen, I was a horrible host, y'all. This is a simple outline, really, but you have to send the simple outline, you know? And so Josh did his research, and I think he's best equipped than anyone coming in blind to answer these questions. But we're going to make it a little easy. We're just going to generalize it. And I'm going to kind of focus on, I mean, we have, again, excluding the Nuggets in the Northwest Division, there's still plenty to talk about across these group of teams. It's the Thunder, it's the Jazz, it's the Blazers, and, of course, the Minnesota Timberwolves. And so I'm just going to throw out to you, we're going to briefly cover each outlook of the team pre-deadline and then just generally speak about which players in that division you think are most likely uh, tradable. We'll go to the, from that, kind of go on from there. Just a general overview. That way we don't got to talk too much about a team that isn't expected to make a whole lot of moves and still spend some of that, that time for those meteor topics. So... Gonna be a nice little show here, but let's start with actually you're the guest. Let's 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 have you start. What team do you want to share first about their outlook pre-deadline? Uh let's go with Utah. I, I just happened to be the Utah <laughs> Jazz representative in the sports yes. ethos mock trade deadline. Job. Uh which I, I like to think I won miscongeniality of that because I, I had eight trades. I think I made the most trades. We should um, yeah, we should give you some more love for that. I think sure. I think I think I made the most trades. I'm pretty sure I made the most mm-hmm. trades. But uh, with the Jazz, I made eight trades. I improved my defense, improved my shooting, saved $16 million this season, uh, netted an extra first, and I added $2.5 million in cash to help me boost up my staff so I could hire more scouts, more analytics people, more player development coaches, more biomechanics um yeah so i think i did all right you know you did good we should and that's on me i should give more love for utah because you went about (laughs) you know you went about a clear outlook of what you wanted to do and a lot of it i mean it's just like you it's in it's almost understated the way you were able to work in the margins and then make the bigger moves and kind of effectively cobble together a new unit 
and it worked well. I mean, I think you were one of the more, I would say probably the most active GM. I'm trying to think of another GM who had more moves. There was a few that were searching think, around. Houston I think Toronto around. did Toronto. a fair amount. Um, yeah. Cooper had a couple of, I think Cooper said Cooper he had gone. like five. Was, yeah, he was Coop, trading Cooper like, a like five trades. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So it was a lot there. Um, but yeah, you were one of the standouts as well. And like I said, I was sharing uh, the book that me and Steve mentioned. I'll have your moves commemorialized. Commemorized. Yeah. I made a word in his mock trade deadline. So it's going to be great. Along with the Twitter handle, which will be immortalized for time immortal. So there you go. How many times can you use that word in a sentence? Anyways, moving on <laughs> to the actual Jazz. Yeah. Um, right now, Utah sits at an interesting position. Uh, they are better than my Lakers. So that's not super great. But they're 10th in the Western Conference, uh, more or less where. I guess we thought they'd be a little lower um, ahead of the trade deadline. Their front office, there was a report that basically said that it's their job to listen. So you can imagine yeah. that there will be some moves made, but let's get your opinion, Josh. Kind of where do you see Utah right now? Yeah, so I, I think that they're pretty sure in how they feel about uh, Lowry Markinen, Walker Kessler, and, and probably um, Okbai uh, Akbaji. Sorry. I definitely butchered that name. But oh, Ochai, yeah. Surprised. Yeah, yeah. Ochai. Like, That's what we're going to be quick. Uh, they're, they're, they're like those three. Those three, I think they feel pretty solid about. I'm sure they're open to hearing from uh, from everyone else, but they're, they're in an interesting position where, and this is why I wanted to represent them in the mock trade deadline, they don't have to actually do anything. Like they already have a surplus of picks and draft capital. They have some some players they've already identified as like part of what they want to build upon growing going forward. Um, they have quality veterans who are helping those younger players develop. Um, you know, like it, and they can still trade Mike Conley at the draft. They could still work out a sign and trade for Jordan Clarkson. Uh, like they they can they can still recoup assets from these veterans. They don't have to make any deals right now. Um, so I think they're in a really interesting position. They also have like just a massive amount of TPEs that they can utilize, um, and and they're below the they're about almost seven mil below the tax line. So they could probably take in a, uh, you know hopefully a backup point guard. I think that's the big thing is Mike Conley is literally the only actual point guard they have on the roster right now. Um, and, you know, Clark's, Clarkson, Sexton, uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, um, those guys are, are combo guards and they can bring the ball up and, and do some stuff, but they're not really point guards. So I, I think one thing, if they, they do kind of make any moves, is I would expect them to maybe bring in a backup point guard um i also could see them like uh their main issues are uh defensive event creation and kind of defensive rebounding um so i wouldn't be shocked to see them move kelly olenic to free up more minutes for walker kessler and jared vanderbilt if they keep him uh those two are really good on the boards um really good defensively so like a little more minutes with them should help with those defensive numbers uh, I could also see them being the type of team that maybe goes for uh, Matisse Thibel. Um, they they have several TPEs that he would fit within. Um, 
So yeah, I'd expect, you know, maybe taking a flyer on somebody like a Thibel, um, and also going after a backup point guard, like a Peyton Pritchard, um, a TJ McConnell or Jordan McLaughlin. Solid. Again, kind of the guys who can, I mean, I think you're looking, well, TJ McConnell's what, 30, 31. It's a little older. Yeah. Yeah. Like you'd ideally want a younger backup point guard who can maybe learn from, you know, Mike Conley for half a season and, and then, you know, but there's not many out there that teams would be willing to give up. Like Tyus, I don't think Memphis would, would part with Tyus. Nice uh, San Antonio's in the same position. Trey Jones is the only point guard on their roster. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the, the pickings for younger backup point guards – with potential are pretty, pretty tight. Uh, and I don't think the Celtics would necessarily, I, I think I saw something earlier today that the Celtics aren't interested in moving Peyton Pritchard either. They like having that um, massive amount of depth. Um, so yeah, you know, I like do what you got to do though. <laughs> yeah. And I honestly, honestly, um, Peyton, I mean, I, Peyton would be nice in Utah. He's yeah. talked about wanting a bigger role, you know. He's and honestly, it's no fault of his own, but he's just not getting that, you know, over in Boston. So to have that in Utah, to be a guy who can kind of grow with those young guys, see if there's a connection between Pritchard and Walker Kessler or him mm-hmm. and, and Larry Mark, and then, you know, I think you're right. And that's if you know, if you're gonna stay behind, um, I'm forgetting on the name, Marcus Smart. Derek yeah. White. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, all those guys. Yeah, yeah you were. Yeah, yeah. And then, of Malcolm course, Brogdon, Jaylen, yeah. Malcolm Brogdon. And let's yeah. also realize that Jalen Brown and uh, Jason Tatum handle initiate a fair yep. amount as well. So mm-hmm. there's there's a lot there. But, no, um, to go – no, I was saying originally that if he was playing behind Mike Conley, you're learning from one of the great point guards of, yep. this, gener- of this time, right? If not, fine. You get the rope. It's not like you may not yeah. be ready for it, you know, and go from there. I do yeah. like that for sure. Um, and Danny drafted him mm-hmm. and Will coached him. I like that. There's a little There's a little. Sim- there's a little mm-hmm. symmetry there. Yeah, yeah. A little symmetry there. No, I, I, I agree. I think that would be really nice. So we're going to see uh, in the future, I guess, how that works because Utah definitely could uh, make some moves with these players. We'll just actually you can run through each team by team. We'll do it real quick. What players are you looking at that you deem untradeable or untouchable for Utah? It's really interesting to ask that question because you do have younger guys like Larry Markin and Colin Sexton who are kind of signed on long-term. Um, yeah. Walker Kessler has been great. Uh, but but who would you consider if Utah got a call? Mm, we're good. We're not taking calls on this guy. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody is untouchable, truly. Uh, there, there's maybe a handful of guys that, you know, you, you probably aren't taking any calls whatsoever. But um, for the Jazz right now, I, I, I don't think they're listening that much about calls on Markinen or Kessler. I like that. I like that. I, I I agree. I think Sexton's safe too. I think he probably <laughs> is too. And like personally, for me, I think Vanderbilt should be safe. But I I've also heard like he's very popular. Uh, so yeah. I wonder why. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. Um, I mean, you kind of mentioned a trade you'd like to see. So yeah. That 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 I I get you. you um, we kind of already covered that already. What what trade have you seen so far? Can't follow it around that you don't like. For- um, mm-hmm. 
for like Utah, I, I think I've seen. Um, oh, I got I got to do this. Sorry, Corbin. Uh, there's no way in hell that the Lakers two first I, and I Russell tough. Westbrook for Conley, Beasley, and Vanderbilt or Clarkson is a good deal. That's a horrible deal for Utah. Uh, like, no. First You're off, getting, Clarkson yeah. and, like, almost all of those guys. I think Beasley has uh, another year on his deal. But, like, Conley can functionally be, uh, like, he's partially guaranteed next year. So you could, in theory, make Conley functionally – not quite, uh, but almost an expiring contract. Clarkson, you could work a sign and trade with him, and he'd functionally be a, a, an expiring contract as well. Um, so, like, you don't really need Russ's, you know, massive expiring deal to cut too much salary, you know, for next season. And those picks, you, you and I have talked about this. You know my thought on picks really far out. Those picks are lo- like. That's that's an eighty six percent chance of not selecting first among current middle schoolers. Like, yeah, what are we talking about here? Yeah, no, that's true. I think you. I, I mean, listen. At the end of the day, I'm gonna have to disagree with you just on principle. Well, I know. I don't, <laughs> I don't uh, no, don't get me wrong. Conley, Beasley, and Vanderbilt or Clarkson would be great for the Lakers. Mm-hmm. I just don't see how it makes any sense for the the Jazz, especially when we noted. Again, Conley is their only point guard. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, but here's the thing. Are you too far out that you can't get a – yeah, you are. I was going to say you're too far out that you can't get a high pick in this upcoming draft. Because here's the thing. You're going to lose Conley anyway. I doubt Conley wants to be – wants to be. he wants to be on a real contending team. That's not going to happen in Utah. That's just not – I mean, they're, they're a mm. decent team. They're a tough out. And that's great. Nobody saw them as a tough out going into the season. They're a tough out, but they are right now indeed. And if you're Mike Conley, going to be 36, I can still play. Already slipping a little bit, you know. Um, Maybe I can get, you know, make, do a Sam Cassell at the end of my career. You know, when he went to Boston 2008 and won a ring or something Mm -hmm. like that. Well, he's no longer the player he once was. And and really on his way out the league, but 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 still has a little bit left in the tank. Then play on a team that is going to be fun, you know, going to be a Utah Colt fan classic team, but just not going to do it, right? Now, at the same time, you know, if you're Utah, yeah, you don't really have anything to gain from doing that, except that you're not going to, if you don't see Mike Conley as part of your future next year anyway, okay, let's recoup some assets. We have that in the back. We could be like New Orleans, where look at how we managed to do it. We're contending, and we stand to benefit from the Lakers' incompetence. Like, both are not mutually exclusive, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I do see that as something that's going to be possible. Okay, so two two points. One, I literally saw uh, two pieces today that talked about how much Conley loves Utah, how his wife and his family love Utah, and the only reason he'd accept a trade if it was to a contender. And that exactly. leads to point two. The Lakers are not a contender, Corbin. But if, <laughs> they okay, are if, not a contender. It doesn't qualify. Even, even oh if you add gosh. Conley, Beasley, and Vanderbilt or Clarkson, like – between yes, LeBron is amazing. He's going to break the the all time scoring record. Uh, strong case for goat. Uh, Anthony Davis might be one of the best second options ever. Um, what do they have outside of those guys? Rui Hachimura. 
like, mean, like, dude, there's no, there's no realistic route you, for this. I'm sorry, this we have the all-time leading score. We have the all-time leading score. It's like saying a you free agent in 1998. We have him playing right now. It's like a free agent saying, or a guy in a trade. Let's say I don't know a guy at the end of his career. We're gonna go way back. John Lucas, okay, 1986, 1987. You're a free agent. You have a chance to join 39 year old. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Matt Johnson, James Worthy, Brian Scott. But either way, <laughs> you take that. Yes, yeah, those names still sound way better than Patrick Beverly, mm. <laughs> <Austin> <laughs> Lee, like Max Christie, like Rui Hachimura. There's a big difference between those names you mentioned and the mm. names I just mentioned. So I, I get enough. where you're going from. And I, I understand there's, there's the fan element and the idea there's the belief. I appreciate that you still have that belief mm. that, you know, Hey, the Lakers could get into the plan and then it could be a mess around and find out situation, but the odds of them actually being a contender, even if they got those three guys, are not not great enough in my estimation for Mike Conley to really consider them, you know, like, yeah, let's let's do that trade when maybe I really enjoy living in Utah. My family really enjoys Utah and like the organization treats me well and blah, blah, blah. Fair. Fair enough. Fair enough. I get you. I get you. I I, I can't argue it. I can't argue it. Um. Let's let's end with this on Utah real quick. We'll breeze to the next team, but the trade prediction: active, reactive, or they stay in put. I think probably mildly active. Like I, I wouldn't be shocked if they do a couple of deals. Um, like, like again, I think they could be the, a team that maybe tries to push hard for like an OG on a newbie, or maybe tries to pick up Thibault on a discount. Um, like I said, they could go after a backup point guard like Peyton Pritchard. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked to see them move Kelly Olenek. Kelly Olenek is the type of veteran big who can space the floor and is competent enough on defense that a lot of contenders would want Kelly Olenek and they'll give you a first for him probably. Now those first probably aren't going to be the greatest first because, again, it's going to be contenders who want Kelly Olenek. Um, Houston isn't going to be like, give me Kelly Olynyk, and I'll give you a lightly protected 2023 first. Um, but I, I think they'll probably have a handful of deals. I don't think they'll do eight like I did, but, but I think, I think you might see like a couple of deals. I think that's smart. I think that's a smart play. Like I said, if you're Utah, you know, you can sit and, you know, sit back, see whatever offers you get, kind of go from there and, and just see what happens you know what i mean it's possible um if you want to be aggressive you can if you see some big fish you think we can grab the, the young players available og and an ob or something like you said you know and if you have the picks and the players to do so that you know toronto may like for whatever reason i mean they apparently they're interested in deandre aiden for some reason then you do that you know so i agree uh, exactly yep shrug collectively um no if i'm utah i, I think that they're more reactive you know um but they have the chance to do either so let's go to a team I think is going to be pretty cut and dry, Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, right now, Minnesota finds themselves in a tough place. They just got blown out, I repeat, blown out by the Denver Nuggets. Uh, apparently, Anthony Edwards left the court upset. 
D'Lo bailed in the middle of the game. Like, it was rough. I don't know if he's on the bench already or not, but either way, it was on Twitter that he was – like, it, it, they're coming apart of the seams. Um, they sit ninth in the Western Conference. By the way, the record – they play the Jazz, as y'all listening to this. But they got blown out 146 to 112. Um, not super great. Uh, just just not super great. Anthony Edwards has been playing well. I think he's sub-all-star. Um, all-star – all-star um, – consideration for sure we'll see with the injury unfortunately to Steph Curry what happens there is an all-star placement yeah. but he's someone who has crew high in points rebounds assists his efficiency has gone up and he's playing against both the combined efforts of the defense and the roster limitations of his own team so we'll kind of see how that goes but um what is your outlook on this squad here Josh are you more optimistic pessimistic uh, I'm I'm in the firm there um, hot mess uh camp <laughs> um obviously the the major trade has not worked out that well um I, i'm still a rudy guy like I, I i don't think he was necessarily i don't know if i'd give up that much draft capital for him but i do think rudy gay uh, not rudy gay uh rudy gobert i know rudy gay corbin likes rudy gay a lot um you know I do. he's had you a solid veteran career but but uh rudy gobert i i don't think is the problem really um, I think like just that roster construction doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Um, and, and, you know, cat is out right now. One of the main problems they have is the, you know, they're just really bad at rebounding, despite the fact that they have arguably the best rebounder in the league in Rudy Gobert. Uh, but they're just not really getting much rebounding outside of him. Um, and then, that they turn over the ball way too much on offense. Um, and it's, it's not like they're, they're playing like the warriors where, where like you're okay with some of those turnovers because like how they're playing is, is very uh, energetic and, and like very, um, you know, kind of medium to high risk, but, but also high reward plays. Like that's not really the case. Uh, it, it I, I would also kind of argue that they don't really have like Jordan McLaughlin's probably their only point guard. Like I know you like D'Angelo Russell. Oh, this is like D'Angelo Russell. He you know he's, D'Angelo Russell's he's a combo he's, guard though. Yeah. I, right? Yeah. Right. Well, DeAndre Russell is more of a combo guard. It's it's weird. He's a I would say scoring point guard. He's not yeah, big yeah, enough yeah. to defend the two. Um, and he doesn't do a good job at that. Also, if I put him as my two, I don't know if I feel great about yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. I really feel he's more of that scoring point guard role. But I agree, somewhere in that vicinity. Honestly, if I were them, uh, considering that D'Lo is going to be a, a free agent at the end of this season, uh, as will uh, Jalen Noel and Naz Reed, who uh, I I'm a big fan of Naz Reed, um, but but I think I, I would imagine. T- Minnesota is going to see what they can get for Noel and Reed. I, I think they'll kick the tires on a D'Lo trade. The problem is D'Lo makes a lot of money, so it's hard to really make like a feasible trade um, that both teams can agree on when that type of salary is bandied about. Um, but yeah, I think they would be much improved if they had a better primary half-court creator. Like Ant's not there yet. Um, he might get there. Um, D'Lo's not really that guy either. Um, 
and Jordan McLaughlin and Kyle Anderson or I, I, I like those guys like a lot, them. but like, yeah, pros. like, the, yeah, the, you need more than that. Um, so I, I could see them kind of trying to see engaging Toronto on Fred Van Bleet. Um, I think he's a guy who could come in and help with that. If the rumors are true that like CP3 might be somewhat available, mm. like that might well, be an interesting it. fit. Um, How do I you know feel about Pat Beverly. <sighs> <laughs> I mean, Pat. I, I I don't dislike Pat for for Minnesota, obviously, but like mm-hmm. Pat, I also don't think Pat is really the the type of half court orchestrator that they that they could probably use. I'll um, show you a good first half from the Lakers. One of the one of the okay, okay. Well, <laughs> but yes, I agree. I agree. Yeah, and then and I think uh, one thing they could do uh, that that wouldn't even necessarily be a trade. Um, is if Kevin Love gets bought out, maybe see if he's open to a, a homecoming of sorts to, to Minnesota to to be the third big uh, and, and play with Cat and, and with uh, Gobert. That would help with the rebounding woes and inject a little more offense um, that, that I think would help. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. They're, they're in a weird spot. They don't have a whole draft capital anymore. Um, they're how everything's vibing between Ant and Cat and Gobert is going to be really interesting this off season. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns can't be traded this year because of the extension, but mm-hmm. you know, let's say Atlanta starts to think maybe we should consider moving Trey. All of a sudden, a Trey for Cat type deal could potentially help both teams. So, like, I, I don't know exactly what they're going to do this uh, this trade deadline, but I could see them taking a flyer on Kevin Love if he uh, is bought out, and I could see them probably trying to get some sort of draft capital in return for Noel and Reed and, and see what's out there potentially on a uh, D'Angelo Russell deal. But I, w- I wouldn't hold my breath on a D'Angelo Russell deal. Yeah, I agree. I mean, at the end of the day, he probably just walks in this experiment was mostly a bust, unfortunately. But, you know, it was what it was. I agree with you. I think those moves are, like you said, it's it's not a whole lot you can do right now. If I were them, I would totally try to, like, yeah, I messed up. Who wants to go bear? I would. I mean, I get it. New owners. Yeah, that's fair. You got to go. But, like, if I'm them, no. Because his numbers have dropped, and he's older. Like, he just turned 30 a little bit ago. You got 31 through 35, basically, to deal with. No, I'm good. I'm going to eat that because guess what? Whether it's an L now or it's an L later, there's a common word in that. <laughs> there you go. You know what I mean? So either way, it's happening. I might as well just come on losses now. Maybe I am not even probably going to recoup some value, but somebody, because it's still so soon, can go do the old Russell Westbrook that I did. Hey, didn't work for this team. Didn't work for this team, but it might work for us. You know, rather than give yourself a larger sample size of it not working and then you have to wave and stretch or whatever the case may be. I just don't see him having a resurgence in 32. I might be wrong. Again, I don't really think it's a problem with him per se. Like, It's the fit. Yeah, like the the fit, it just isn't there. Um, But it never was. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's the other thing is like Gobert offensively actually is a really good – role man but also like again the 
you know, Ant is still learning how to be a pick and roll creator. Um, and D'Lo almost never actually gets into the paint. No. So he's like a two level score at this point. Yeah, yeah. So it was never a clean fit. Uh, I, I get that Minnesota was thinking, you know, we struggle most uh, with rim protection and defensive rebounding. And Rudy Gobert is the best in the league at both of those things. So I get the thought process. Um, but but Gobert and Cat just wasn't going to be a clean fit. And Gobert with Ant and, and D'Lo also wasn't the cleanest of fits. And I, I think Gobert can still be a significant impact player, particularly defensively, but not in the current uh, setup with the with the Timberwolves. No, and that makes sense. It's unfortunate, but it's the truth. It's yeah, it is what it's not. Like I said, I would sell. Like we we tried it, didn't work. We gambled, we lost. It is what it is. But with that being said, um, let's just go on to our next squad. Let's move right down to. Well, it's back to you for the pick. Uh, let's go with OKC, I guess. All right, we're gonna end. Yeah, another quick team because Portland. That's that's actually your hometown team. Sort of. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Way. I'm from Oregon. Okay, so let's just breeze through Oklahoma City. Uh, right now they are beating the Lakers as recording this by 10, which is not ideal. Um, <laughs> but what do you see from this team? What is your outlook on this young squad that is very competitive? Yeah, well, like their defense is really bad. Um, and they, they're still lacking uh, spacing on offense. Um, and they're lacking, in, in part because they're lacking spacing, they don't really get to the free throw line very often outside of Shea. Um, and Shea is amazing at it, but he's basically he's the only amazing. one. Period. Yes, he is fantastic. Um, take that, everybody in that that Twitter group that that we always would do all time fantasy drafts with. Oh, and I, oh, I would yeah, always yeah. draft Shay. I would always draft Shea. And, always and everyone would be like, you. I don't know, I don't know. Shea's amazing. Mic drop. Feeling good. <laughs> but. Yeah. Uh, I, I think with OKC that they're kind of similar to Utah in the sense like they don't have to do anything. Um, a large part of the defensive problems, you're kind of betting a, a healthy Chet Holmgren is, is going to help with that. Um, personally, I'd probably try to get some additional rim protection because I like Jeremiah Robinson Earl and Mike Muscala for what they do, but like that that they're not gonna deter shots at the they're rim. Really, yeah, no. yeah, and, and there's a couple of guys that I think are gettable, like pretty gettable, like Nerlens Noel with Detroit. You could probably get him pretty easy. Um, Isaiah Jackson with Indiana, I think he might be gettable. Um, and both of those guys can play with Chet uh, once he's back and healthy and stuff. And then you know I, I'd try to get some some more three-point shooting if I were them but again like this season just like with Utah is gravy like this is the cherry on top of the Sunday they already have a surplus of pigs they already have young talent they they like long term they don't have to do anything they can just sit out this deadline and just kind of coast with like hey this season was way better than we expected we're gonna get Chet back uh next year we're going to get further development from Giddy and the Williams. Like, you know, we like what uh, next season looks like already. So you don't really have to do anything, um, which also could mean that they they could be a team that's very active. 
they could also just be a team that's reactive and, you know, someone floats an offer to them and that they're like, you know what? Fair enough. Done deal. Let's do this. Um, so I, I'd imagine that they probably don't do much except uh, they're, they're still about $8 million under the tax line. Um, so I could see them taking and they they have a couple of pretty solid tpes i could see them taking on some additional salary for additional draft compensation um that's kind of what sam does anyway uh but yeah like i don't think they'll do much personally i'd go after isaiah jackson um to add yet another young rim protection player and, and maybe see if you can pick up a couple of three-point shooting guys who are on not too crazy of contracts. Like, don't go out and get Duncan Robinson is what I'm saying. No, but, no. Yeah. And are you focusing more on age with this? Uh, kind of. Like, young? like I, I, I'm not. I'm not a huge proponent of like just have everybody uh, be 25 and under on your team. I don't think that's like a, a particularly useful uh, approach long term. Um, because you need your vets to kind of help with some of the some of the um, institutional knowledge of being an NBA player that you know coaches can kind of give you that same kind of knowledge, but it, it's a different thing when it's coming from a player that you respect and that sort of thing. So uh, I, I wouldn't limit myself to only younger players. Uh, like you know, again, Nerlens Noel. That I, I he's inexpensive to obtain at this point, like, and he would really help with a particular area that they struggle with. And again, he can be useful even once Chet's healthy. Um, but yeah, I, I think they they probably much like Utah can kind of go either direction. Um, and I also wouldn't be shocked if they just flat out sit it out. I agree. I think that more likely than not, this is my next question, active, reactive, or staying pat, I think they're staying pat. Yeah. It seems safe to me to say that. Just kind of a react, kind of evaluate. Maybe if there's like a taxing measure or you see a young prospect or yeah. a way to get in for some picks and or like maybe take a salary. What San Antonio did, you know, take on somebody like a Dwayne Deadman. Exactly. Get an extra second. Yeah, I could see you go. something, something like, that. like that. But nothing, I, I don't expect anything significant. You're playing with house money right now. Yeah. You are. You know, Chet Holmgren missed the entire year. You're still in prime position to get an additional top three, four, five pick if you want. Right now, Shea Gilles Alexander is an all-star, playing at an all-NBA level. Got a lot of young guys stepping up. Why not? So I'm with you on that for sure. Yeah. But now we go to our last team, the hometown kid from – I was going to say from Akron. It's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> we are talking to full. I Chubb am LeBron's team. age. So. There, wow. Well, there yeah. it is. I did not – youthful face i would never have well thank you i would never have done that no also better hair (laughs) yes yeah well yeah i don't have a five head Um, no 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 sorry no it's all good he's great in a lot of things gotta be bad something you know right and also i mean i'm not gonna lie i would just say keep it headband on bro but looking at the portland trailblazers right now i mean they are i want to say disappointing i feel like in the words of the late great legendary qb they are who we thought they were you know, and yeah. that's below average. It's about average. 11th right now in the Western Conference. Um, 
They're sitting just behind the Jazz and Timberwolves, just ahead of the Thunder and Lakers. And honestly, if the if the Thunder win the game we're talking about while we're recording, and they are in a good chance of doing that, then uh, they will be tied. Uh, but the difference is the Thunder were not supposed to be here, and the Blazers were mm-hmm. not supposed to be where they were, according to them. Uh, a lot of money tied up in Damian Lillard, as well, of course, as Anthony Simons and um, Jeremy Grant. You yep. also have Josh Hart. You have a lot of guys. Shane Sharp's been great, although he just pulled out the dunk contest, and that disappointed me. Wish oh, he hadn't done I that. didn't hear that he pulled out. That sucks. Yep, today he did, or last uh, night. I y'all listened to this. He pulled out. He, so, he'd be well, fun. He, yeah, he was going to make it a lot more exciting for me. And now, you know, we'll see. But regardless of that, uh, this team, yeah, they're just not – they're they're very small. Their defense is rough. Um, Damien's been scoring at an all-star level. I mean, he is an all-star. It's but Dame. honestly, yeah. I could have thought, like, several people who could have been over him. I mean, just because of where the Blazers are. So I'm more pessimistic on them. What is your outlook on the Yeah, so I, I had this conversation with my 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 dear friend James Carity before the, the season started because he's also mm-hmm. in Oregon. He lives in Oregon. And, and we both have kind of had tangential ties to the Blazers at various points. Um, and uh, yeah, before the before you know the the season tipped off, we were like, this team could be good if their top five stays healthy. And the mm-hmm. second they stopped being <laughs> the second that stopped being true, they they struggled because they have like no depth. Uh, I know Sharp is very exciting, but he's not a he's not a quality NBA rotation player yet. He's not, and and it's it'd be tough to expect a player of his circumstances and his age to be that right away. So it's not his fault, but like that they, they they just have very little depth. I like Drew Eubanks, but if Nurkic is injured. Like Andrew Eubanks is getting, you know, 30 some odd minutes at center that you're going to have some issues. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, they're, they're a team. So Joe Cronin, when he, when he got the, the head uh, basketball operations GM role, he had kind of noted that he's a big, you know, swing for the fences, high risk, high reward type guy. Um, that's a big part of why they went with Shade in uh, in the draft. Um, so I could see them potentially going for such a big swing. The problem is I don't think there's anybody that Cronin would necessarily consider high risk, high reward mm. right now. Let alone, you know, you'd have to give up Simons or Sharp to to get anybody particularly big. Um, so I, I think they're going to have to kind of tinker. The other thing is they're barely below the luxury tax line. Mm-hmm. Like they're $67,000 below the luxury tax line based on uh, the info I saw earlier on support. Tax. Wow. So, um, th- they can't really add much salary. Um, they're, they're another team where I think if they are obviously trying to push to get into the play in the playoffs and stuff, they might be another team that, you know, kick the tires on a Nerland's Noel, see if, uh, you know, New York has any, uh, interest in moving off Isaiah Hartenstein, who I think has a similar kind of fit, uh, in, in how he would fit in their offenses. Like Yusuf, Yusuf Nurkic does when he's healthy, 
Um, I can see them being another team that also looks at additional perimeter defenders like a Caruso, uh, a Thibel, or seeing if maybe they would be interested in a Sharp or Simons-based deal for like an OG and a newbie. Um, that, that, I, mean, I like that I potential. You know, yeah. Get, there, get a younger forward. Their, their forward spot has been a source of contention for the Blazers their entire Damian Lillard era. Yep. I mean, you can say since Nick Batum. Yep. And Gerald Wallace. 100%. So I like resetting a little bit, going a little younger. If you do that, you're probably losing Jeremy Grant, right? Is that what I'm hearing? No, I, I'd imagine uh, uh, it, it sounds like they would they would really try to bring Grant back, but it would be science and OG at the forwards. Yeah. And then name like, at the point, would you keep Simons? Who gotta go? Well, I mean Simons, Simon's gotta go. Simons would have to go For essentially OG. to to match salary I, I think i'd have to double check but i think maybe josh hart and sharp would functionally match the salary for og mm-hmm. but you're also probably going to have to give them even more draft capital in that situation um i still don't know if that's you know uh, a deal that maybe tantalizes Masai and bobby enough to to actually pull the trigger on that um, I, I think they can get more from Memphis or um, the Pelicans, especially if the Pelicans are open to putting either Herb Jones or uh, Dyson Daniels on the block. Um, I'd love Dyson for Toronto. I'm still, I'm still kind of. I, I also would have yeah. loved Dyson Daniels for yeah, Utah, say, but, but uh, I'm still, I'm still salty. Um, as, as you, I mean, I'm like basking in. It's called Salt Lake City. <laughs> like, of course, I'm, I'm a salty. sucker for a good pun. That was a good one. Oh, um, that was a good one. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't see a particularly large deal that they could do. I imagine they'll probably just based on the the uniqueness of Josh Hart's deal. Um, I, I imagine he'll probably get moved at this deadline. I'm not entirely sure for what. Um, because this deal is particularly unique, I, I'm not sure which teams would be really trying to get that. Um, but I, I think, again, they're another team where it's not going to help them, you know, like they're another team that Conley wouldn't consider a contender, in my opinion. Uh, uh, but, you know, I could see them going, kicking the tires on a rim protector like Nerlens Noel or Hartenstein. I could see them kicking the tires on Thibel, uh, seeing what, you know, Chicago's asking price for Caruso might be. Um, but I, I think they're kind of, for the most part, stuck with what they are right now. Maybe at, at the draft time, they might have a little more flexibility to, to kind of make a bigger move, but yeah, um, yeah. Unless, unless they're willing to give up Simons and Sharp, like I, I can't see them making like a particularly impactful move. And also I don't think Joe Cronin is going to want to trade Sharp or Simons based on, you know, his preference for high risk, high reward players, which I think he considers both of those players to be so. I understand that. It's a shame. I feel like I have to ask this last question concerning the Blazers. We mentioned the Blazers. We mentioned the Nets earlier. We mentioned the Lakers. Yep. Which team is in worse of a position in terms of trying to improve their roster, which all 
three teams you could say are definitely trying to do, and yet not having the functional assets um, available or, or needed for that to go come about. Hmm. It's got Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, bro. But it's it's the Lakers. Thanks. No, I'm playing. I, I, I <laughs> like, much. The 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 Nets have Claxton. Um, the, the they also have somebody who's been playing really well the last three games. I don't know if it, you know some people think he's better than Jalen Green. Um, yeah, as, as I got to put that, up a poll so on far, Twitter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but like they have some some players that would have a lot of appeal uh, to a lot of teams. I don't think the Nets would want to move either of those two, but they could. And the Blazers have Sharp. They have Simons, which other teams would find intriguing and would be enticing. The Lakers have Max Christie and Austin Reeves, which I like those guys. But come on, like they're not they're not enticing in the same way the, those other pairs are. So, um, you know, they do have picks, the, the, the 2027 and 2029 picks. They have that. But also, again, that's an 86 percent chance of not picking first among current middle schoolers like like yeah, it's, it's yeah. not as appealing as like 2k and the media make it out to be um that's that's several years down the line we're talking four and six years from now most of these front offices won't still be in charge at that point so like i, I get the appeal yeah yeah, I get the appeal of the mystery box of like that draft pick could be anything, but it's most likely going to be you know an okay mid first round you know current middle schooler. <laughs> like it's not yeah. it, it, the likelihood of it actually being like the next great Hall of Fame Laker is pretty remote. Um, so like. I, I would have to say, unfortunately for you, the, the Lakers have the least capability of making those like changes this season compared to uh, the Blazers and the Nets. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. I I am disappointed to hear you say that. Absolutely. Don't get it twisted. I am very much – but I also yeah, understand yeah. the reality of the situation – and that is the truth. They they are. Um, I do find it interesting, though, just looking at Portland because, you know, you are kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, and you yeah. feel bad because all those teams have an NBA great who is in the back nine of their career, whether it's just entering the back nine like Damian Lillard or probably right in the midst of that like LeBron or rapidly approaching that like Kevin Durant, you know? You know, Corbin, at this point, can we be sure that we're not still in LeBron's prime? I think we can. No, I, I know, know I know. I'm just. <laughs> no, I love it. I love. I know what you, you know, were getting at. Like, it's like, funny. I was trying to mess with you because I was trying to like realistically some, pretend I was for the thinking. Thirty-eight-year-olds in this. In no, this you, world, got, like... you got. You got. You got. <laughs> yes. Oh no, it's, Josh, you're still in your at, bag. His, at his age, like doing what he's doing, it's amazing. Like it, it, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he plays for several more seasons. So like, he said he's going to play a couple more years. Well, yeah, I know he wants to play with Bronny if he can. But. Yeah, and mind you, I'm not saying – I mean, obviously he's lost a step because, like, for example, as we're watching this game, like, there's a team that is taking LeBron – okay, they're not taking LeBron. He's six away from the record. They're taking they're, the Lakers. 
They're not taking yes, LeBron. But, they're taking the no, Lakers down. Yes, but they're saying we're going to make it difficult for you to get off. Yeah. Normally, that wouldn't stop LeBron. And now it's only slightly stopping LeBron. But the fact that it's even slightly stopping LeBron is funny to me. Well, it's it, it, it's, it's the not, idea of like, yes, maybe he has lost a step, but the dude's always been like, you know, to to use the parlance of, of uh, Joe Lacob, miles ahead. So like, what's one yeah. step when you're already like a mile? Ahead? Light years, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? No, you said it. You said it. It's true, and that that and it's showing. I mean, the longevity is amazing. Like I said, both of y'all are still in your back. So thank you. It just is what it is, and it's awesome. Of course, of course. But um, yeah. I mean, listen, this was a nice wraparound. Finished right around what we thought. Uh, as always, I love having you on, Josh. So thank you for taking the time out of your very busy schedule. Um, got a new father here. Come on, y'all. Well, it's been a couple months, but still, it's like saying Happy New Year. It's old. still yeah, exactly yeah. saying Happy New Year. It's still very much in play. Uh, listen, uh, tell the folks where they can find you and your work, and we're gonna have you here more soon. Collaboration, absolutely, but just in the general meantime, because you do great stuff, man. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm pretty much a hermit for the most part because uh i have a three-month-old but uh you can find me on twitter at two red j earl um i also am a basketball career development coach i help people who want to work in the basketball industry kind of develop uh processes and strategies and uh kind of build up what they need to help grease the wheels of their career and help them take the next step in their career. And you can find that sort of stuff at yourhoopscareer.com. I also mess around and sometimes do a podcast with Corbin. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, that, those are the, the two places really to find me. And, and admittedly, I'm not the greatest Twitter follow because I, I'm, I'm rarely on it too much, but uh, mm -hmm. occasionally you'll get like, some good movie stuff, maybe, maybe the occasional good food thing and, and basketball takes, but I, I, I don't do them as frequently. Uh, I'm not a basketball take chucker. <laughs> yeah, that's not what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not what you do. And honestly, I, I gotta say, he's not, I mean, he's more um, quality over quantity. I will say that yeah, because yeah, yeah. Josh does go on Twitter, you know, good retweets from most work chimes with a couple comments here and there. What I do want to say is your hoops career. I can take it from someone who's had a consultation with Josh and like, I'm going to have to schedule another one and actually like get into this program here. Yeah. Yeah. Let like me know. But <laughs> like, yeah, it's really good. I mean, I, I'm fortunate to have Josh as a friend. So I talked to him pretty regularly, decently enough. And yeah. I usually get advice just in passing, but like he takes the time to really look at your work, ask insightful questions about a half an hour. And it was like one of the most intense, like, okay, looking at what I've done, that I've had. And like I said, I'm fortunate to have this guy as a friend, much less have him as someone that you can go to as a resource. So definitely make sure to take that. Like, that's something I'm just want to personally say, not just as a friend of Josh, but as someone who's actually experienced it and went, whoa, this is different. I talk to Josh all the time, but this is like a focused analyzation of what you've done, how you can make it better, and how you can succeed in moving up. And I mean, Josh knows folks, he's been there, like he can definitely help you with that. So definitely make sure to do that um but aside from that if you want if you are so inclined you can follow me on twitter at corbin mba i don't have any of the experience josh has i love basketball though and i can talk and those two no negative self-talk no no, negative no. Self -talk. i'm just saying a fact my friend. Right. okay okay I'm you're right you're right <laughs> corbin you're is right. one of the best hosts of, of, of podcasts that that i've heard um corbin's very personable uh, he and I like the exact opposite types of players, but Corbin <laughs> has valid reasonings behind his 
approaches to things. Uh, yeah, don't badmouth yourself, sir. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. I really do. Um, but I just want to thank y'all for listening, um, for tuning in. I We appreciate it. Again, Josh does great work. I like the thing. I, I do great work as well. There you go. And Sports Ethos does great work, so follow them as well. But we're going we're gonna to wrap this podcast up. Josh got to get to bed. I got to watch the Brown Pass scoring record. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, for Josh, for myself, we are Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty, and I will talk to y'all real, real soon. All right, y'all.